just tell you what we're going to discuss today. I, as I was thinking, um, in some ways we've gotten away from talking about regular grace, just plain grace. And I came across a, uh, a video from Graham Cook that was just done recently. And it's a part of a, a, a talk he gave on, on grace and what it means in our lives. And it, and it resonated with me because a lot of times I think that as a church universal, not just this church, or that God has given us stuff. And the picture I got was, have you ever gone into a restaurant, you know, and they give your kids a, a little picture in a box with three crayons in it? And that's the way we treat God. We think, well, I've got three crayons and that's all I need. When God has the 124 box with the sharpener in the back, and he wants you to use all of them, and you go, no, I don't need that. I got, I've got my black and white ones here, and I'm, I'm okay. And you just scribble away. And you don't get the magnificence, the glory, the everything he has for you. And in this video, uh, Graham talks, it's, in, it's interesting, he gives an experience he has, but of grace being so much more than what we, what we, we think about. And a lot of times I think we're thrown in situations where, oh God, give me the grace. Well, that's the same thought of saying, oh God, come down and be with me. No, I'm already there. And you don't realize it. You already have the grace. You don't realize it. But we get under pressure, and we don't, we don't realize that we already have, you know, when Paul complained, he said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. You already got it. And we, and we live lives like we don't have it, and we have to go try to find it and draw it into our lives. And it made me think of, you know, it's like if you were a tube of toothpaste and some pressure was on your life squeezing, what would come out would be grace to take care of the situation. It's, it's already there. It's, 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 it's in you. And I guess that's what, what bothers me is because we all go back to the same situation where I'll take my three crayons and just be happy and sit in the back of the, back of the room. And we're not called to do that. We're called to take what we have, you know, our authority and, and the grace that he's given us, and we're called to go out into the world, and we're called to go out and do things. And it's not that we have to, you know, fast and, and pray, and, you know, and there's benefits in that, but we don't have to do that to get God to go with us. He's already there. We just don't believe it. So I'll start up this little... uh 20-minute video, then we'll discuss it. And uh, I always I always find him interesting. And next week, um, I'm going to play a different section because in his ministry, he he gives prophecies. And this is a like a 25-minute prophecy to the church about grace. And I found it very powerful. He, when, when he prophesies, he reminds me of Ed because... It's it's not like I you know I know all your sins and I know what you've done and I know your zip code and I know your phone number and you know see am am I good no it's God knows you're good and He's good in you and He just loves you and that's 
to prophetic to build up the individual and not to expose. So let's watch this video. I love the fact that God ties grace to majesty and to fullness and to abundance and to our inheritance. There is a fullness of grace which when you walk in it, sometimes feels to me as like I'm in this bubble of empowering presence. And particularly when um, someone's going to come up and say something awful, right? Because the enemy has to burst that bubble. The enemy doesn't want you living in empowering presence. He wants you cowering away from the presence of God. He wants you separated in love. He wants to put you in a place where he can accuse you, he can pin you down, he can make you a non-entity, but grace makes you a somebody. And sometimes I'm in this bubble and I hear the Lord, because in that, when you give yourself to grace, you can hear the voice of God. No worries. Because you're in that place of absolute confidence. And in that place, the Lord says to me, someone's going to talk to you today and they're going to try and damage who you are. This is what I want you to say to them. Because when you're in that place of grace, it grabs hold of your heart, it grabs hold of your thinking and it prepares you. It gives you advance warning because you know grace is ours for the battle that we're in. And I love the fact that I can beat the enemy by being in grace. And so sure enough, someone comes along and does the I hate you thing. It's like, I don't know what you hear in those moments. To me, it's like when Teresa tried to give me the friendship talk. You know? And all I heard was blah, 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 friendship. He went in one ear and out the other because there's absolutely nothing to stop it moving through. And I'm thinking, I am so not your friend. I will be your friend, but right now I want to be more than a friend. I am not stopping at friendship, sweetheart. You would just better get yourself together. But... And I just said to her, that's fine. You know, we have loads of grace. And she looks at me, huh, what? I said, oh, you know, you'll figure it out after we get married. <clears throat> I love the language here, it's so rich. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. God is always extravagant about grace. I love that about him. There's always going to be more grace than you can use or even need. Always. Grace is the one area where God doesn't meet your need. He overwhelms you with who he is. He like puts you in so much grace. It's going to be way more than you need, but you're going to meet people who will need it and they better get it off you, I guess. Romans 5, verse 1. 
Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus, through whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exult in expectation of the glory of God. That's what grace does for you. Grace puts you into a place where you're so astonished, you're so amazed about the love and the kindness and the beauty of God for you. It's like you don't know what to do with yourself on days. It's like the days when I'm so overcome, I could levitate. You know, I'm like my middle daughter, whenever something wonderful happens, she's always going, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And she doesn't know what to do with herself. And her whole body is vibrating with goodness. That's how I feel about grace. So excited. The days when I'm so overwhelmed by the grace of God, I don't know what to do with myself. And, I, and you have to worship. You end up exulting in who God is, in the nature of God, in the fullness of God in the glory of God. It's like grace creates this massive sense of expectation in who God is. It gives you astonishing confidence. I love grace. I was on a plane going from one place to another because apparently they do that. Unless you're flying Delta, which stands for didn't even leave the airport. <clears throat> or when they get their actor together, it's did eventually leave the airport. So I'm on this plane and um, <clears throat> before we've even reached our cruising altitude, before the wheels have even gone back, the, the undercarriage has gone back into the plane, the guy next to me is introducing himself as a Satanist. That's his first words. You're cook, right? I said, yeah. He said, well, I'm a Satanist. So I said, cool. How's that working out for you? He said, I'm here to curse you. I said, okay. Um, can you wait until the seatbelt sign comes on? He said, Why? I said, because I've got a notebook, in, a notepad in the overhead compartment and I can't get up right now. I want to take notes. Because here's the thing. I have a grace on me for warfare. I have a grace on me. Where God has promised me that he will turn every curse into a blessing. I have a grace on me to talk to witches and warlocks and Satanists and so on and so forth. Um, because I'm called to warfare, because uh, one of my identities in Jesus, I am a Caleb. I like the fight. I want to be in the fight, and I like the fight, and I enjoy the fight, because you get to see a different side of Jesus on the battlefield. Yeah, and I love that Jesus. And I, I consider it fun and a privilege to hang out with him on certain battlefields. So 
One of them is, one of the promises over my life is he would turn every curse into a blessing and that I would rob the enemy of key people. Now, he doesn't know that, right? He thinks he's on the plane because he has an assignment against me. I'm going to disabuse him of that notion in about 40 minutes' time. So, anyway, the seatbelt light uh, light goes off, and I get my notebook, and I said, okay, let's do it. So, he starts cursing me. So, hang on a minute. Slower, slower, dude. I'm writing it down. How do you spell that? Are you sure that's how you spell it? Huh. Okay. So I'm writing it down, so keep going. Writing it down. And eventually he starts to tail off after about 12 minutes. And so I look at him and I say, so um, that's part one, right? You have a part two? That's, that's part one. You're just warming up, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, honestly, between you and I, that's rubbish. How long have you been a Satanist, man? He said about 20, 25 years. Ah, okay, well, you're not a very good one, eh? What do you mean? I said, the last guy who cursed me was absolutely brilliant. I got so much out of what he said. But honestly, this, excuse my Englishness, but this is rubbish. I could grow roses in this. It's fertilizer. Wasn't exactly the word I used. That began with C and ended in a P and there were two other letters in there as well. But you can figure that out, but don't get mad at me because you spelt it. I can grow roses in that. This isn't very good. Listen, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to go back, use the restroom, and get a Coke. Can I get you a drink? Do you need anything? You're okay. All right, listen. So I'll go back. I'll give you half an hour. Why don't you get in touch with your boss and ask him for something more? Tell him this isn't good enough, and I'm annoyed. All right? So I'll give you half an hour, and I'll come back. What am I doing? I'm just messing with his head. Because that's what we do, right? We mess with him. David, you know, when he came up against Goliath, it wasn't enough for him to knock him out. He took his head with his own sword. Yeah? And then he had to display it everywhere. Everyone wanted to see the head. You know, little kids, Dave, show us the head. Little granny's going, Dave, show us the head. Messing with the enemy's head. So I'll give him 40 minutes, come back, sit down. I said, okay, now I am going to pretend that earlier thing never happened. All right? So, let's hear it. And, you know, he tried. Bless him. He tried. But it's just like, dude, I don't know if I'm even going to work on this, to be honest. Because I'm thinking, the last guy who cursed me was so amazing. And all that I did was I wrote down everything he said. And then when, we, when I got by myself with Jesus... I sat down and we just worked on every curse and we turned it into a blessing. So I ended up with, he gave me like two pages of curses. I I ended up with nearly seven pages of blessings. And then I just struck a match 
and put a torch to his curses. And now I have seven pages of blessing. <laughs> I think the enemy really regretted that. Because I, I had this thing over my life. Every curse spoken against you, I'll turn into a blessing. I'm going to give you an anointing to rescue the enemy's key people. And so we carried on talking for a little while. And I said, listen, man, you're not on this plane because you have an assignment against me. You're on this plane because I've got a word for you from the Lord. I'm coming to get you. (laughs) And he pressed the flight attendant button and got his seat reassigned. But we are at an unnatural height in the sky in a steel tube. He's not going anywhere. We still have three hours to go. So every half an hour or so, I walked around the cabin and just clocked him. Just made sure he knew God's coming after you. You're going to be working for my team. You, my team, you. (laughs) I even debated whether I should wait for him at the gate and walk with him to baggage claim, but I thought that might have been excessive torture. Here's the thing. The Holy Spirit controls the ground of your experience, not the enemy. Not the enemy, not people, not circumstances. And grace is your place of safety in Jesus. It's one of my privileges to be in warfare and to be in certain extremes of warfare. And I understand the grace that underpins me in those times. And I understand the territory that belongs to me in Christ on a battlefield. I am a warrior. I'm a Caleb. I'm a man of a different spirit in that regard. It's one of my identities. And the Lord and I practice it together a fair amount. Grace is the empowering presence of God. Let me read this to you again. Romans 5, 1 to 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exult in expectation of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulation, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance proven character and proven character hope and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. We are learning what fullness and abundance really is all about in Christ And we're learning how to live in that place. We're learning how to access that place as part of our relationship with grace. We all have a grace on us for something. We have a grace on us for life, for our circumstances. We have a grace on us for people who are difficult. 
You ever know that those people who get right up your nose? They're called grace growers. And their job is to help you grow in grace. Because you have grace enough to deal with that person and to love them extravagantly, even while they're being obnoxious. Grace is not just about you know, avoiding. It's not about not being tainted by someone. You have grace in abundance so that you can smother them with the kindness of God. So that you can be the voice of goodness to them. So that you can move in the opposite spirit to what they're coming against you. Grace allows us to win people who don't like us. That's the fun part of grace. Here's the thing. When you are living and aware of that empowering presence, nothing bothers you. Everything's doable. Doesn't matter what people are doing or saying, you know how you can show up in Christ. And that's a good thing. For me, as a Caleb, I've chosen to have a mindset that's set on majesty. I want to see the majesty of God. I want to see the sovereignty of God. For me, warfare is not about taking authority over the devil. That's the the consequence of warfare. Spiritual warfare is about discovering the sovereignty and the supremacy and the majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ. And allowing yourself to be marinated in it. And that's what grace does for me. It makes me aware of the fullness of who God is and the fullness of who he is for me. My favorite question to the Lord is, what is it you want to be for me now? I love that question. I love it so much. My daughter says, I love it and I'm in love with it. I love that question. As an opportunity for a dialogue between me and the Father, what is it you want to be for me now? Because when you see it, grace empowers you to realize it. So grace binds us to an irrepressible lifestyle. God is the happiest person I know. I want to be the second happiest person that he knows. I want to be made in the image of God. So I want to learn to laugh like he laughs. I want to laugh at the enemy. You understand what's happening to us? We're learning a whole different way of living. You're not bound to anything that comes out of the world. You are bound to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ because he is in you and you are in him. And so, you know, I'm, we're practicing being bound to Jesus. That means in any situation, I'm bound to do this. I'm bound to do that. I'm bound to show up. I'm bound to be peaceful. I discovered a long time ago with the enemy that the fruit of the Spirit is a more powerful weapon against the enemy than the gifts. I can seriously mess with him just by being joyful. I can seriously confuse him just by being peaceful. I can discombobulate him just by being loving. 
Don't get me started on how grace bothers him endlessly. You ever wondered why the enemy takes such time to really try and corral grace into a small place? It's because he's really scared of it. If we really get hold of the fullness of grace, he's toast. He is toast. Let me get back to where I want to be here. Give you a second to digest that. I think that's probably about the eighth time I've listened to that and I still get stuff out of it. I really enjoy his style. The way he does things. So what do you think? Do you get something out of that? Something resonate with you in that? I like the part we was talking about wonderful, that he was always wanting to believe something wonderful would happen. Mm-hmm. I have a plaque that says that, to always expect something wonderful will happen. Mm-hmm. But that's, I think, this elevator for him to lean and go up. But that also lifts you up. It's exciting, yeah. The joy. So his joy level is he's expecting mm-hmm. something wonderful. Anybody else? I'd read off my notes, but they're sitting by my chair at home. <laughs> it just changes your perspective on what we classically would talk about spiritual warfare. And about the fact that you have to work 49 hours and get 10,000 people together with you and get ready to go. No, you just come from that place of already having grace, already having your victory. It just changes your there is a there were a couple of things in there that uh, the thing he says that God overwhelms you with grace and I always remember this you know of hyper grace you know oh you don't want to go into hyper grace and I'm going wait a minute you don't want to go you mean I don't want to go into more grace than I can even handle? So if somebody wants to give me money and they start giving me money and put it in perspective that we relate to, here's 10,000, here's 20,000, here's 50,000, here's a half a million, here's a million. No, 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 that's, that's hyper giving. You, you don't have to do that. I want to. It's yours. It's your gift. No, no. The false righteousness comes in, the false humility, you know. No, 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 that's not right. That's not right. No, it's yours. Everybody gets the same. Everybody has the same. Why wouldn't you want hyper grace? Why wouldn't you want to be able to walk, walk in that? That when somebody comes, and, and we've all had people come to us and give us some of them supposedly good words of wisdom and knowledge, you know, well, you're a false prophet. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. But you've already got that, like I said before, when we started, you already have that grace in you. It's already within you. It's not something you have to go to obtain. And it, and it shows that in you know, Romans 5. It, it, it's already there. You know, it's a crayon in your box of 125 
and not just the box of three that you've, I don't know if you heard that. That you go into a restaurant and they give you a box of three crayons and a little page of color. And, and we do that, and we do that, and that's, that's okay for us. But God wants us to have the box of 125 colors with the sharpener. But we're just, we're so, we're so religious, we go, no, just the three. And we sit there and we color our lives with just three colors. And there's so much more. And it's already given to us. He talked about when you walk around and when you grace, you take it with you. It's 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 in your it's in your possession. It's it's in your aura, if some people like that word. If you you throw it out when when you're there, you know you can you can. There's certain people when they walk into the room, you know they've walked into the room. That's you. You just don't believe it. You don't live a life like that. Gosh, it was probably a couple years ago I talked about, you know, the authority we have in God, you know, because he is in us. So wherever we walk, that's, that's, that's our territory. That's, that's ours. Nobody, and there's, there's examples in, in the Bible that, you know, wherever God is, that's his territory. That, that's his land. He possesses it. Well, it's the same with grace. Wherever you walk, your grace is there, you know. It's not like, you know, you sit there with a spouse or a co-worker. Oh, give me grace for this. You got it. And that's the exciting part. That's where Graham goes. It's the exciting part for him. <laughs> I already got this. Watch. Watch. I don't, I don't have to get upset. You know, I don't have to let this guy work on me. I already have this in my life, and I can, I can walk in that. And that's one part of grace I don't think we've... You know, we've experienced enough. I think a lot of times we look at graces. Well, here's Lord Bertha's picture up again. You know when, when Ed prophesies and he gets a word for you. You know, every once in a while he'll go, you know. He's, he's got the gun. He's put one in the chamber. Well, God's going... And you can hear him just putting the shells in the gun. I'm, I'm loading you up. So when you want to go, you got it. And God is just putting grace and grace and grace and grace. And the chamber's full. And he's still pumping it in. And you, you cannot get rid of it. You can't get rid of his presence. And then when you hear the grace, he says, you can hear his voice. When you understand that grace is dwells in you constantly, you can hear his voice. Because if you say, Lord, I can't hear your voice, I don't understand, what are you, what are you trying to say? You're saying, there's not enough of you in me. No, I, I'm oozing out of you. You just you don't perceive it. You don't perceive who I am and how much I love you and what I want to do for you and what you can handle. We've all handled things poorly in the past, without a doubt. And you, and you look back, oh, if I'd only done that. Oh, if I'd only done this. Oh, if I'd only brought my notes today. You know. But God says, it's okay. Whatever you, you have, it comes from me. It's already in you. 
Use it. Use your grace. So, thoughts. I know you all have thoughts. Anything? I love the confidence he has in his relationship with God and who God is that he can say with confidence. It's like, God, what do you want to do for me today? Or let's see what Grace is going to do in this situation. And that's just really encouraging to see that example in his life. How do you think he got that? Step by step, probably. I mean, and just spending time with God? I, I don't know. How? A change in perspective, reality. Yeah. Yeah. Actually believing what God has said. Yes. I read I read Romans in Young's literal and I read it in, in the uh, the other one, the can't remember, not the passion, but the message. Yeah. You know, in a couple different versions. And it's just it's already there. You already have it. You already have his grace. It's part of the righteousness he's given you. Well, we struggle with the righteousness he's given us because, you know, we go day by day. Well, I'm, I'm not right. And, uh, you know, uh, the, big, the big thing I see when people ask me, I had lunch with some gentlemen that I hadn't seen in 20 years. And they said, uh, well, what kind of church you go to? And I said, well. <laughs> it's hard to describe. <laughs> I said, let me, let me throw some phrases out at you. God's not angry with you. You've never been separated from God, and you're not a sinner. Would that go over in your churches? <laughs> you know, uh, well, yeah, no, it, yeah, yeah. And I said, but see, that's grace. That's grace. And, you know, it's... And I do this too. We get to a place where we're comfortable. We think we, we've, got, we've got all the notes down and we've got all the, the little phrases recorded and we've got all the videos watched and we're not even close to what God has for us. Gosh, we get excited if we pick the fourth crayon out and sharpen it up. But what, what if you can come at, you know, the kids come at you with two handfuls. And they, they want to use them all the time. That's what God wants you to do. He gets joy in facing somebody that challenges him like that, a Satanist. I don't know what would happen to me. You know, I haven't, I haven't faced, quote, a Satanist. or I've done some other things you know, experienced other things. But I've never sat down and tried to have an, you know, intellectual discussion. And I don't know if that's the right way to, to look at it. Yeah, he wasn't having an intellectual discussion with him. He was messing with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was just no. having a, it was like a game. Yeah, I, I know what's coming. It's like a volleyball. It's like, peach. <laughs> and he turned it into a positive. It's like every one of the curses, he turned into a blessing. It's like, oh, wow. But see, that's yours too. Yeah. That, yeah. 
That is your promise, too. Yeah, Graham always talks about opposite instead. So, like in, uh, I think, Isaiah 61, I'm turning your, this into that, this into that. So, Graham, one of his things is always when something challenging, always go into the opposites, opposite of it. He's, and he gets such joy out of it. Another thing he said that I thought was interesting is the fruits of the Spirit. Because when you think about that, the fruit of the Spirit is the evidence of the grace inside us, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, that, letting that, those, well, you can't help but they grow because fruit just grows. But um, to realize that as you're walking in places and having peace and having joy and having that, or if you're not having it, going back and go away, you know, yeah. Like I think that was a for me that was a powerful. Yeah. I uh, it's it's like okay, I've given you all the gifts. But the fruit shows the power. Mm-hmm. You know. I I've I've given you a, a seed. But when it blossoms, mm-hmm. that's when you see. And I'm I'm willing to give that to you. You already have it. And the, th- and the thing is, we, we struggle intellectually with a lot of this stuff. Instead of just going, okay. Because, you know, I asked you, how do you think Graham gets it? I, th- I, think, I think Graham, in a lot of his places, you know, and a lot of us, are, you know, too, we've come to the point where we actually believe what God said. You know, do you believe... And one of the biggest things that you know I, I, I keep going back in my mind when I when I sit and think is people don't believe they are who God says they are. There is such an identity problem. I can't be that. I know what I'm like. I know what I do. But what you do daily has no relationship with what God says you are. Boy, that's freeing. That's hyper. <laughs> I may have cursed my stupid little dog when I had to go down and get it at 2 o'clock in the morning out of the yard because I can't come up the stairs anymore. And it would stand three feet from me, and I'm, my back is aching. I'm trying to bend over and pick it up. Come here, you stupid. <laughs> but that's not, that's not what God judges me by. He just says, okay, great, come on. Boy, he just... How many times has God, here's what dropped in my mind. How many times has God stopped and bent over to pick you up? That's grace. Needed to hear that, but not now. <laughs> but that's, that's how good he is. Boy, that's going to change picking that stupid dog up again. <laughs> no, no, not 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 with Lily. She walks she walks around and then she goes under the stairs and stares up through them at me like, "Look, honey, it's raining. It's two thirty in the morning. Let's go in." <laughs> but God is always there to pick me up and to help me up the stairs. So I can go in where it's nice and warm. Go ahead. I think that, you know, you asked, well, how did 
get that way too, how did he get to that point too? And you know, we've all got this message playing inside of us, that subconscious that was developed way back when, or that people have told us, or that the church has told us, or whatever. And really the only way to get to where he is is to change that narrative that continues to play in the background, and that's by continuing to meditate on what we're talking about, the promises and the grace, and then you begin to experience it as he has over the years of his life, and then that message changes to where that, then you begin to live in that new reality, that new paradigm, because um, you can only replace a negative emotion with something that's better and higher than that is. And the word talks about that, you know, about what we think about and what we place in our hearts. And so um, I, I think that's how he got there. And it wasn't an instantaneous thing, I'm sure, in his life either. But mm -hmm. when you see some of these videos, like when he's, I love the one that we played a, a few weeks ago about when he uh, was talking to the witch doctor. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I sent that to and Terry. And screaming into the, never I can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> That was so great, that was so great. But he didn't just magically get there. I mean, that was over a period of time in his life, and each one of us are on a different um, schedule there, you know. It, but but ultimately, we get to have the responsibility for that to get there ourselves. And the good part, good news is that you can't get there. That's For me, that's the exciting news. That I see Graham Cook or somebody like that, and I think, you think, oh, I can never do that. Yeah, you can. You really, really can. You can get to that point where it's, you just want to mess with people. <laughs> you just want to mess. He was totally messing with Yeah, I want to pray for you for your healing. Yeah. You know, I want to, I want to do that. And the, and the thing is, it's not, it's not saying getting there that means you've, you've got it all. It's just, it's like stopping somewhere on the highway and, you know, this is, this is where I am and this is what I'm going to do. What, as he said, what are you? What are you going to do for me today, or what do you want me to do for you today? How are we, how how are we going to work this grace thing in today? What are we going to see together? So a long time ago, uh, a friend of ours had an illustration of you know like when you make a mistake you fall right and and so like right now I have this view right here but when I fall and I face plant here and now I have a view because maybe it's around the corner. And I feel like that's kind of what our lives are kind of like, too, is like when we're talking about the grace and his experiences and what we're learning and all that, it's like you can't know what you don't know or you can't experience what you can't see. But then when you see, you can see and you can't unsee it. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't know why I'm saying that, but just when you were talking, it was like, it's like when you fall and make a mistake, you're further ahead. Your perspective has changed. You're cha yeah. So you can see more and you can experience more and... So I don't know why I said that, but it was that tomorrow. <laughs> you know, but that is true. You know, and the and the thing, you know, as you, as you do more and more ministry, you see this people who fall get up and go back to the same way again, and it's and it's just again this is so important. You know, your perspective, and and what it really comes down to. It becomes your reality. Well, if you take it backwards, what do you want your reality to be? You know, what do you want your reality? Change your experiences. 
Don't do the same thing over and over again. You know, believe that God is with you. Believe his grace is sufficient for you. It'll change your perception and it'll change your perspective on everything. But it's, there's just so much more to grace than what we've put into it and into our, you know, our own experiences. It's so much deeper. And it oozes out of you when, you, when you're in people's presence. It, it's there all the time for you. Any other thoughts, things that, he, things that he said and shared? Would it make a difference to you when you confront somebody? You know, what I got out of that, Craig, is not just from what he was saying, but from what you were saying. Is I can just see myself talking to a Satanist sometime. And look at Adam and say, so tell me, how does God treat me? Is there anything you need that can pray for you? Yes. Because God loves you. <laughs> you know, I, I prophesied over this lady with a pentagram on her neck. And I was like, well, now that's weird. But I just gave her what I felt God was saying and told her, told her how much God loved her. Got up, walked out of that place, and I called her. She said, you aren't going to believe what I just did. <laughs> God, God is just... We don't have to worry about the situations we're going to walk into. And when you have peace, that makes it so much more, I don't know if the word enjoyable is, but it, it, it is more enjoyable. It's like the prophetic too. But when you're someplace and you kind of have this inclination that there's something that you're supposed to say to this person, or that God's, but you don't really have it all, you don't, and so you, you hesitate because you don't want to be foolish in front of these people or whatnot. But yet, the confidence to say, okay, you said barking dog or whatever, and so that's all I know, Lord, so I'm going to start my conversation with barking dog. And every time, it just flows from that. And Barking Dog had a meaning to that person for whatever reason. And it just opens up the dialogue for you to... Yeah. You have, you have no idea. And it's, it's really strange you bring that up because one of the guys I had lunch with, used to, when I was at First Assembly, I had a care group. And I had that for like 15 years. And he was one of the guys in my care group. Well, if you remember when the revival, renewal went on there in the late 90s and stuff, I did a lot of altar ministry. And I prophesied over him one time. Well, when I got, you know, I hadn't talked to him in 20 years, he brought that up. He says, do you remember when you said blah, 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 blah to me? And I go, no. <laughs> I don't remember things the same day. And he says, you don't know how that changed my life. I, he's, you know, he says, I have used that more times, and I find when I fail, when something happens, it's because I didn't do what you told me in, in that word to do. And then when I do it, things change, and things pick up. Things get better. I said, well, 
thanks for sharing that. That's, that's encouraging that I wasn't an idiot in everything I said, you know. <laughs> but God gives you, God even gives you the grace to fail. Get up there and try. The guy who, Peter, man, did he blow it so many times. So many times. And he's still, sports metaphor, you get up there and you strike out a lot of times, but if you hit a home run in the ninth inning, everybody remembers that. <laughs> you so know. technically, can we fail? Because if God works something for our good, what we perceive as failure will end up good. Yeah. You can, you can, I've learned from my failures. Some I've learned don't do again, and some I haven't. You know, I, I guess that's why I always liked the show Cops. It was always nice to see, are these people going to learn from these failures? You don't outrun a German Shepherd, you know. <laughs> but it's such, if you have the understanding if you're not separated from God, that his love will never be taken from you. That you're that you're always always in his in his thoughts and his in his care. That I can step out. I can I can step out of the boat. I can walk on water. I can I can do when he sent the the ones out, you know, first the twelve, then the seventy-two, and he sent them all out and they all came back. Amazed. It's not who you are, it's what's been planted in you and what you carry with you. And then part of that is grace. You get the grace to go into that place. And you get that excitement to go into that place and going, okay. And you get the joy of knowing that you've done what the Father's asked you to do. So I, I just, yeah. Just thinking about that, the failure thing. I, I think part of it is your perspective on, on failure, too. Um, when you get to a point where, where you say, okay, did, did I fail the real me, your spirit man? Because your spirit man is perfect. It's with him. So, or am I observing that failure? So did I do that out of my spirit man, or did I do it out of my mental man or out of my mind did I say something out of my spirit or did I just say that out of my rote communication of my mind so it, it, I think it depends on your perspective of where that failure came from because the real you your spirit is in direct connection with the Lord and wisdom there's no failure uh, there's no lack there's no everything's perfect so it just it's just a shift in how, how you think about the other two. Mm -hmm. To go along, I have two things. To go along with that, like, um, I think it's the lady who owns Spandex or Spanx or something like that. Her dad, every day after school, her and her brother and the family sat down to dinner, and his question to them is, what did you fail at today? Because he wanted them to fail, because in all of, if they didn't fail, they didn't try something new. And he was, he was trying to instill in them that trying something new and failing is actually really good because you learn about yourself and about what you're capable of and other people through that. 
And I thought that was powerful. But then when you guys were talking, I kept seeing kids on a playground. Like when a kid comes to a playground, they don't worry about, am I going to fail on the playground? They're just like, oh, toys. And they rush in there, right? And some go to the monkey bars, some go to the slides, some go to the swings. And some in the old days, they used to have the barrels and stuff. And I keep seeing like kids jumping on the barrel. And sometimes you get there. Sometimes it takes five times to get on top of the barrel. And as soon as you get up there, another kid comes and pushes you off. And they're not thinking failure at all. They're having fun trying. And they're not even having fun trying. They're just having fun and laughing and mm -hmm. experiencing things. Building their strength to get up on top of a barrel. And I also like how they all go to something different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you think of it, sometimes um, we have the wrong expectation. So in the example of trying something brand new, to think you're going to do it perfectly the first time is just not the right expectation, mm -mm. realistically. I mean, sometimes you nail it the first time, but mm -hmm. typically you have to learn it, so. And I think you get to determine when it's failure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you, we think that we failed at this, but did you learn something that takes you to that next step? Exactly. So was it really failure? Yeah. Or exactly. was it just a learning experience? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I read a book years ago called With No Fear of Failure, and it was about the guy that at the time, who uh, developed um, the, the huge conglomerate of United Waste at the time, which was all across the country. And that was his point, you know. He was faced with several things along the way of building that, I mean, major stuff. But he just learned from that and went to the next step. So his point was it wasn't really a failure. I just, it was a learning experience that I had to go through. I didn't like it. It was really painful. It cost me a lot of money, but I got to that next step, so. Yeah, the, the things that play in our heads sometimes, yeah. that, that, that's what we've been taught. It's, it's things that exactly. you, you know, taught when you fail at this, you can't do that, you can't do this, or whatever. Well, who said? God didn't say that. Mm -hmm. so. like, try something if it doesn't work, try something else. Rather yeah. than, oh no, I failed. Exactly. Exactly. But we all know uh, teachers or people in, in, in lives who have just literally shut down someone's creativity at a very young age and that's where they are stuck and they just they just are for the rest of their lives it's just it's so sad because there's so much you know if we're, if we're created to create with him the creativity that's in us is meant to be expressed mm -hmm. not shelved and i just yeah okay that happened in my own family some went on just in spite of that and others were really hampered for you know, just to build on what you're saying makes me think of Edison with with the pile of light bulbs to the second floor. It's like those weren't failures; those just weren't the success he was looking for. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great example. Yeah. And all the times when people were trying to solve this problem but accidentally solved that problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could call it a failure, but it was a success in that. What it did solve. I think that's how Firestone developed the rubber for tires and things. It was a, an accident and an experiment, and boom. Mm -hmm. You know, that rubber tires instead of stone wheels. <laughs> gum, too. Gum was an accident. Gum was, yeah, that's right. Gum was an accident. But we all have this in us already. It's not something you have to strive for. It's something you have to perceive that you already have. God has already filled the chambers. Are you going to cock the gun 
and fire away. So I hope you enjoyed the, the video. Um, next week, I think, is, is a different way. You know, it's, it's one of his... He sits and just prophesies for the church. But he's also prophesying just for you. And it has to do with grace and where it takes you and how to understand it. Anybody on the Zoom got any comments or questions? Is there anybody up there? Yeah, I'm still here. Um, actually, I'm just listening to the conversation, everything that my thoughts were, somebody said it. And uh, my, my biggest takeaway is the fact that grace is not defined. Grace is uh, it's a, to excess. So we, we don't have to worry about, oh, do I have enough or, or whatever. It's, it's, it's more than enough. It's, it's beyond more than enough. And that was a huge thought for me. Just It's a boost of confidence. And, uh, and uh, that, that was my, my favorite line in that whole video. And I'm glad you guys talked about that. Well, good, good. Now, I don't expect you all to go out and confront Satanists and everything today. <laughs> Yeah. It's funny how they're drawn. You know. Yeah. It's like, okay. You know, but it's just do do everything with great joy. People have it tough enough when things happen, you know, bring great joy into their their space because you carry it around you. Everything that God gives you, you carry around you. And you can, you, can, you can serve it out. Or you can just put your head down and color with your three little crayons. Anything else? Okay. <laughs>